Ooh, that's a good one. Your Boilermakers have just improved to 11-1 and after beating uh, Jackson, the Jacksonville Dolphins. Jacksonville is, uh, what, right around 205 in the net. Um, this isn't um, new territory for your Boilermakers to play a team that's, that's uh, a low-ranking low team in the net, a uh, team that wants to deny Zachy the ball, you know, bracket cover him, man in front, man in back, and then another man dropping in the passing lane. We've seen this tactic before, but today it ended a little bit differently than... Uh, then it happened. Then it did last time. A team tried to throw that tactic with a similar quality of opponent. I'm going to talk about it here in a second. Uh, but before I do it, let me thank our sponsors. First off, I'm, let me thank the people that that gave me this nice sweatshirt. You might think it's home field event, uh, home field apparel if you're if you're um, just listening, but it's not. It's it's AJ's. Head over to AJ's on Vine. Grab a brew. Grab some beef. Grab a burger. Burgers, beef, and beer. EatAJs.com. That's AJ's. Uh, Adam, Jake, the whole crew there will hook you up. If you go there, you can get something delicious. Leave there happy. Um, also, if you're in the market for a, a TV, nope, not a TV, a T-shirt or a sweatshirt. Man, I'm struggling with this copy. There's no written copy. Um, go over to HomeFieldApparel.com. Uh, grab a shirt or uh, a sweatshirt or a T-shirt. Throw it into virtual cart. It'll be there. It'll be home. It'll be home soon for you. It won't be home by Christmas. There's no way because we're now four days out uh, from Christmas from from the fat man visiting your house. No, not me, Santa. Um, home field apparel. Enter boiled twenty three at checkout. Get fifteen percent off your first purchase. It's pretty nice. So um, Jacksonville brought uh, brought a a defense that was familiar to Purdue fans. They they tried to. Like I said, they tried to use their uh, big-ish guys to to keep the ball out of E's hands, and they really did. Purdue just decided they weren't even going to try to try to force it in there. Very smart, and um, everybody else was hitting shots in the first half. Purdue got out to a relatively early ten-point lead, pushed it out to fifteen, then it flexed back to ten, went back and forth a couple times before Purdue just started having fun in the second half. Got up by. What, 25 or 30 points. Most of the subs were, pardon me, most of the um, starters were pulled. That was pretty much all she wrote. Um, it was a fun game to watch because you saw a lot of guys playing in positions that are just little glimpses of the future, right? We got to see uh, Heidi play above the rim, as did Colvin. A couple really nice finishes. Colvin hit a couple threes, I think, too. I'll look at the stats here in a second. I think he was one of the higher-scoring players off the bench. A lot of guys on the bench got involved. Purdue hit the century mark, uh, won 100 to 57. Um, that's fun. Uh, Purdue missed two free throws, I think, though. And Newbert had a great joke on Twitter. He said that now that uh, Purdue missed two free throws, everyone had to pay double for their slim chickens after the game. Well, if you're going to pay double, uh, why not just pay a, a, a very reasonable price and go sit down at AJ's? They're not going to pay double. Um, good, good joke, though. Um, Fun night, though, for your Boilers. Like I said, I love games like this. I love nights like this when Purdue's in cruise control, beating up on a team that they should beat up on. Um, it was fun. Uh, Edie, um, everybody kind of got, uh, you know, in, in Mackey Arena. Kind of rose to their feet when Edie attempted a long two-pointer. His toe was on the line, according to everybody that was in the place. Also, uh, it was a... It was a I don't, it's an abridged crowd. It's an unusual crowd. Obviously, no paint crew. I was trying to put a nickname together, the Ain't Crew, but I thought that'd be taken wrong maybe as the people that, you know, are anti-painters. Um, but no, that the alum crew and little kid crew, there are a lot of kids in the house today in uh, Mackey Arena, according to a couple of my friends who were, who were there, um, weren't exactly the energy that uh, Purdue usually brings, but uh, Purdue, for sure, the basketball team, the people on the court, um, were kind of sick with it. It was um, it was a physical mismatch. When you play a team that you're better than, you should handle your business. Um, they showed some good stats during the Big Ten Network um, telecast that Purdue's, what, averaging close to uh, a deficit of close to 40 points when they're playing. They called them uh, a nice way to put it. Uh, one bid 
conference uh, teams, conference foes. Uh, and uh, one of the interesting things I took away from it is, you know, Purdue, of course, beat uh, Moorhead or Morehouse. I can never remember. Moorhead, I believe, Moorhead State. Uh, they beat them by 30-something points. IU, of course, beat that same team by one point just a night or two ago. Purdue's a good team. Purdue's a good team, and they, they've shown it over and over. I had a little, I wouldn't call it a quick cast, but a little quick message on Twitter talking about how when I watched that Alabama versus Arizona game, I was marveling at the pace the game was played. And part of the reason the game was play, play, played at that pace is because Alabama doesn't want to stop anybody generally. They just want to run, right? And Arizona loves to score and get the shots off quickly. But when you watch that game and you see the game being played at that pace and that level, especially in the second half, both those teams were scoring a lot of points uh, for about a 10-minute span. Uh, I'd say leading up to about five, seven minutes left of the game, it was really very fun game to watch. And you say, wow, how can a team keep with this pace? And then you think, wow, Purdue just beat both those teams. And um, you just have to be reminded how special uh, this Purdue team is this year. And um, they still have better basketball in front of them, I believe. I think they can play better, get better. Um, they, they just can, and it's we should appreciate and enjoy it, and I am enjoying it. I enjoyed tonight. I hope you did too. Hope you're not caught in that mode that we talked about. We were all worried about looking too far ahead. Games like this are just fun. You know, I mean, I know it's uh, bad or worse Purdue teams have beaten up on a Patsy before in Mackey Arena. That's nothing new. But just the manner they handle themselves, you know, the kind of, um, I don't want to say professionalism, but it kind of is, just doing your job. That's a big deal. Uh, the guys at Sleepers Media were talking about, you know, the, the spread was 32.5 points. I'm not a better. I do understand what 32.5 points means. And I joke that, you know, degenerates were nervous when the game was hovering around 29, 30 points, and, and then Purdue just kind of stepped on them, and it was guys off the bench. It was Colvin. It was Heidi, like I said, really um, making a statement. A uh, Jacksonville player got a little dicey, a guy named uh, Niblick. Nye Black, I don't know what his last name is. Um, he was talking trash to TKR on a drive. Uh, then a couple minutes later, he, uh, I don't know if he yelled a dirty word. It seems silly to me. That's what the Ray Day said, that he just yelled a curse word, which to me, if you just yell a curse word and that's enough to get a tech called in, it seems ridiculous to me. I don't mean to sound, um, you know, like words don't matter. They do, but that, that's just silly to me. If it, I, I, think, I hope there was more to that than that. But uh, Waddell, who we don't get to see play much, uh, went down. I think he missed the free throw. And then uh, Nyblack or Niblick um, came down and he shot free throws. So it was, I mean, that was an interesting part of the game. But when a guy is getting, when a guy's on a team that's just getting the hell beaten out of him like that team was today, I just don't, I've never understood tra talking trash at that point. So, and then a second later, a minute later, Colvin kind of got into it with one of their players, and he was talking trash to a guy. He probably said something like, you may want to check the scoreboard, pal. Um, pretty low fruit there. So let's look at this. Like I said, Purdue's 11-1 now. They beat Jacksonville 100-57. Uh, all scores are led by Zach Eady and quick work. Uh, Eady started off slow, like I said. They weren't even working the offense through him because there's no need to, um, and you shouldn't have to force it uh, in when you have a double – uh, team that switches to a triple team at times shouldn't have to and so you saw guys like Mason Gillis looking for his shot early which is awesome but where he rolled his ankle he's really gutting it out if any of you have ever rolled your ankle which I assume if you played any basketball at all you rolled your ankle I've broken my ankle I've degree three two and, and uh, had a third and a second degree sprain on my ankles back in college back when I used to play and um, I can tell you when that when you have that happen just lacing up your shoes and jumping right back into the play like Mason did tonight Hurts like hell, um, but he kept playing and and was tough. Uh, let's see, Gillis finishes with eight points uh, and a and a rolled ankle, re-rolled ankle because what he rolled it about ten days ago the first time or the first time this season. Also had uh, two assists, solid, solid. Uh, the the highest scorer off the bench was Colvin with eleven. Um, like I said, he was kind of dazzling at times. He had a he had a dunk behind his head on a fast break, which was. It's a lot harder than it looks. Um, if you've even played on an eight-foot hoop, it's hard. Um, but uh, showed some of his athleticism, some of his quickness. Um, he didn't really need the, the, some of the problems that Colvin has struggled with. Obviously, 
defensive spacing and understanding things all season has been has been a there's been a learning curve there. Uh, wasn't that important tonight? Um, but it was great to see he and Heidi both played significant minutes. Heidi finishes with six points, two rebounds, an assist, and three steals. Uh, Purdue was clogging up their passing lanes, uh, Jacksonville's passing lanes. Uh, Edie had 18 points, uh, eight rebounds, two assists, two blocks, real stat stuffer of a night. Um, but the guy who probably played, <clears throat> I would say, kind of earned it or played the best uh, in the starting five was, was Lance Jones, 16 points. Uh, four boards, three assists, three steals. Um, he probably could have easily, I mean, he could have easily scored 20 points tonight, but Painter gave him limited, limited mission, minutes. Trey Kaufman ran 15 points, uh, four assists, six boards. Lawyer was really quiet. He had a couple threes, uh, but also had a, uh, I mean, he had a play where he, he dropped a pass, then tried to went, go in and, and uh, lay it in, and it was tossed, not out of bounds or into the first row, but it was a significant block on Lawyer. Lawyer's an interesting guy. I think everybody would say, you know, in the, the nights that he's not looking for his shot, it looks like he's moving at a different speed. He was definitely not in, playing at the same speed he did versus Arizona. Smith uh, had a quiet game. He wasn't really looking for his shot at all. So two field goal attempts for Smith. Um and he finishes with uh, two points, six assists, three boards, three steals, just one turnover. Uh, next up, uh, Purdue plays on in eight days. I'll be at that game, I believe. Uh, but uh, they've got a nice break right now. My wife asked the question. She said, you know, will they get a break now? I said, I think they will. They've earned it, right? So, um, yeah, Purdue will probably get a, a nice break as they head into Christmas. Everybody comes out of this one um, healthy. I heard a couple people, I don't know if it was Field of 68 or Sleepers or one of those, Calling tonight's game a um, a snooze bar game. I call the next game the snooze bar, right? Because you've been in your winter doldrum a little bit. You've been sleeping, and you got one more. You got to hit it. Uh, they play Eastern Kentucky. Danny Hope is actually starting uh, for EKU. No, he's not. But uh, EKU on uh, the 29th, and um, like I said, I'll be in the house. I'll be fun. Um, and it's another game that Purdue needs to handle their business. They just. Do what they did tonight, and uh, I love seeing these guys get significant amount of minutes that don't don't usually get them right now. This is how a team grows up. Painter handled it brilliantly, I think tonight. Didn't play anybody too long. Didn't uh, overwork anybody. Um, hopefully, we can see Edie hit a three. I hope he. I, I, if I were, you know, if I were Edie, I, I'd say to paint. I'm, yeah, in these games where we're up by 15, 20 points, I'm going to attempt a three. Just a question of when. I'll try to work it into the flow of the offense or whatever, but. Uh, why not? I mean, get him a three. He, he's having fun out there. So, But Edie's 16-8. and eight. That's kind of what you want to do at those games, too. It's another thing for his Player of the Year candidacy. I don't think it matters to Purdue very much. I don't think it matters to Edie very much. But it sure looks like he's a runaway for the Player of the Year again. I don't sit, think I see anybody else in that conversation, really. A lot can happen during the conference um, uh, schedule. But he just looks completely dominant. And every pundit has, is saying the same thing that – it's Edie's race to lose. So, got a couple of you guys are on there live. Really appreciate that. Um, I'm going to talk to you right now. Ted Berkey says, Boiler Up. Glad to be able to let the walk-ons get some playing time. Agreed. Andy Day. I uh, love watching the walk-ons stretch the lead and have fun. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I love watching, seeing not only walk-ins walk come in, but extend the league. I, I didn't even mention, and I should look at this real quickly. Um, Berg, off the bench, had, I think he had three dunks. Yeah, eight points. Eight points, two boards, two assists. Is that right? No, no assists. Eight points, two boards, four for four from the field. And um, let's see, free throws. He was 0 for 2. 0 for 2. Um, but I say this all the time. If Berg comes in, especially, I think he came in with just under six minutes left in the game. How much of a hard assignment is this for these teams that don't have a guy that's over 6'9", right? You've had... Edie hit you, and then you've had TKR hit you. You've had first come in and hit you, and now your rest, your time to just coast to the finish line, they bring in a seven foot two guy who's just a beast. If, if you if you think of it, check out Berg's quads, because I think what we get used to is looking at Edie and you know a, a three hundred plus pound monster of a seven foot three player, and then instead you've got uh, Berg come in with just, I mean, he is strong as hell. Um, and he trains with Brandon Brantley every day. 
That's one of Purdue's little, you know, the secret sauce is Brandon Brantley's ability to train these guys up. Just check out how big and strong he is from the waist down. He, and that's where this all starts. That's what Edie's trick is, you know, being able to notch out position early in, in a possession. Um, and Berg does the same thing. Uh, he's, he's growing up. He's a work in uh, progress. But that's hard business to have to deal with that guy after, uh, you know, 30 minutes of, you know, just getting your butt kicked. Uh, Pat Goschall says, uh, note to Indiana, Indiana, sorry, um, that's how to handle a holiday season by by game. Yeah, no kidding. Um, uh, IU plays right now, and they'll probably beat up on Northern Alabama or somebody like that. Uh, right now, I think they played two games in three days, which is pretty un- unusual this time of year. Ed Albanese says, hello, boys. Uh, yes, love to see the backups come in, get some playing time. Berg had some awesome dunks, which Painter, uh, which Painter could let, let him play more. Also, it's almost 3 a.m. here. EU jet like oh so you're on a you're on a trip a little Christmas junket to Europe that's nice I've always wanted to do that and I've never done that I've never taken that's wrong I took a pre-Christmas trip to Scotland a friend of mine another boilermaker married a, a girl in a, from a study abroad program uh, in in Scotland that was a ton of fun but I think we were home by the twenty second so I've never been I've never been abroad during Christmas. I think it'd be a ton of fun. So have a good time, Ed. Travel safely. Adam P. says, uh, nice to see several minutes from the subs. Thought the play was still pretty good. Berg, I think, shows promise for next year. Seemed like he was moving better. Yeah, he moved great. Um, I, I think, I don't think anybody has huge expectations for Berg, you know, even being a starter next year. I think TKR, it's his spot at center. I think first, first is athleticism, by the way. He came in again tonight. His, his first step is really quick. His ability to um, make room on spin moves, I, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's because he's so fresh. Because, you know, last year and even the year before, it seemed like he played a lot before January. And then by January, he had kind of hit a wall. I don't think there's any chance of that happening this year because he looks like he's in such good shape. But his athleticism really gets my attention. So, uh, man, Purdue's loaded in, um, in, the, in the front court. So... Uh, let's see. Nita Beanverse says, congrats to Indiana on uh, pulling off the close upset against Moorhead. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the underdog pulls it off. Yeah. Uh, good on you. Ed's back. Uh, no, uh, Ed says, uh, by the way, this is exactly what uh, I think Edie should do. Attempt a couple threes each game. Agreed. Be certainly uh, bring another dimension to the team. Yeah, I agree. Just to drag a guy out just a little bit. Um, it's funny when you... When you play a team that commits to this style of play that Jacksonville did today and that FDU did um, last March, uh, it should go this way, right? You should have guys be able to make shots. Tonight, uh, it was really, um, it was Gillis who softened things up um, and uh, Jones just knocking down shots. Pretty simple. And it doesn't take much to, to get a team completely in trouble by playing that way. It really doesn't. And then by the time you figure it out, you're, you're kind of in in big trouble. One thing they didn't do, which is interesting because you're not hammering the ball into Edie and forcing the, uh, the issue is you're not getting them in foul trouble. You're just wearing them out. So, uh, Shane Hankel says, uh, I've never seen a score for the other team before. Yeah. I think it was Heidi who had a tip in off a board. I think, was that off a, you guys can tell me, I think it was off a free throw. Uh, Heidi had a tip in for the other team. I think that scored as the nearest player to it. If you're an official scoring guy, I believe the nearest, Player, I don't think it's like, uh, they don't give like team points, of course, in the official box score. So lucky, lucky, whoever it was. Molehill 93, Boiler Up. Good to see you. Mr. Pepsi 313 says, congrats to Painter. Fourth and wins in Big Ten. I saw that the other other night, and there are a couple things that are really cool that are happening right now. Number one, Painter is, is, is about 80 games, 85 games, something like that, away from Katie. And he's much younger, obviously, than Katie was. Um, all time and wins, so that's pretty noteworthy. And he's, um, yeah, he's he's doing some special stuff. Years ago, like three years ago, three summers ago, I did a post talking about when Painter would pass Katie, and I, and doing that research for that, I was like, wow, this is not far off at all. Uh, if you're an old person like me, and time goes fast, um, but it's pretty noteworthy. Painter is really closing in fast, and the way he's winning, right? You know, they're winning so many games a year. It's going to be a, a lot easier to just fly by Katie. It's pretty cool. 
Brian T says, uh, one more to complete the non-conference undefeated run, and that'll make them 35-0 and if they can beat handle their business versus Eastern Kentucky. I did not look at Eastern Kentucky's net before I came on here. If I were a betting man, uh, I'd say they're probably in the, um, I bet they're in the high hundreds. I was just guessing, but I haven't seen them play. I gotta, I'll, I'll plead my ignorance here. Of course, um, Western Kentucky also, Eastern Kentucky and Western have a lot of Purdue connections, right? Uh, if you want to research on that, you can have some fun with that. Um, but Newman, of course, at Western Kentucky right now, and Jeff Brown from Western Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky, Danny Hope, and kind of sister campuses, if you will. Um, let's see. Shane Hinkle says all four Berg field goals were all dunks. Yep. Uh, Derek Mul- Mul- Mulliken, uh, my favorite part of these, hearing the ice clink in the glass when it starts. And I'm my, my ice has gotten smaller. It's not that warm in here. But, yeah, it, uh, somebody said this. Is uh, it need of being versed or... Bitcoin something said he enjoyed the sensory experience of the beginning of the show. And you know what? I said, okay, you know what? This let's, let's do this. And so in response to him, I, I said, I'm going to start doing this every show because what it does is if you guys have ever done anything streaming, there's a little bit of a buffer. And so as that buffer is waiting to spool up and I can see that I've actually started, my video is working. I have to fill time. And I, I thought of doing something where I came in, came in from offside of the camera, but if you catch me running away, it kind of ruins the illusion. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the uh, taking a little sip and a swirl of my drink before, regardless if it's ice water or tonight. I've got uh, some of the best, most delicious rye that you will ever try. Angel's Envy rye is just incredible stuff. And thanks to the my, my daughter's soccer team, they gave me a gift card um, to Total Wine, which I don't have any affiliation. But Total Wine, if you want to call and sponsor, you're welcome. Um, but so I got to buy an expensive rye, uh, an unusual rye for me. Um, I, I usually won't spend that much. And and it used to be you couldn't find Angel's Rye either. It was hard to find. But I think Anish brought a half bottle uh, to my place a couple years ago. So I got to enjoy it then. That is phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. In case you're curious, you're probably not. Uh, Smith looked uh, a hair bothered by the pressure. Yeah, he did. He uh, the um, Jacksonville threw the press at Purdue. Smith uh, was tackled, honestly, uh, but he should have gotten rid of the ball earlier. Um, I think it's okay. I think him getting a little bothered by a team trying to play really frantic brand of basketball, that's a good thing. So, yeah, he did. Good point, though. B. Murph says, and if that is B. Murph, my old buddy Brendan, is that possible? Brendan Murphy is on here? Um, I haven't talked to him in years, so I hope it is. But um, B. Murph says, does Braden take a step off the pedal when we play worse teams, I don't think he takes a step off the pedal in his um, in his pace. So, uh, but I do think I, you can answer that question if that's the same B Murph. If that's you, Brendan, um, it's been years. If that's who it is, uh, good dude. Um, but if it's not, still, I appreciate you sounding off. Um, I think his pace does not change. In fact, I think he. This is a really good thing about. Smith, to me, one of the best things about Smith is that he plays at a high pace, but he changes his focus on what he's trying to do in the game. And I love it. I love the fact that he plays at a, a super high pace, super high effort level, but he just changes what he's doing. He's not looking for a shot because he doesn't need to. He's working on other things. There's an old principle in sports. I love it when people say the 1% principle. Get 1% better every day. Work on something that you know that you need to work on. I always tell my daughter, that's a great thing to do. When you go out on the field, say, I'm going to work on one thing. I've told her to take her Sharpie and write on the inside of her cleat the one thing she's supposed to work on when she plays soccer. And um, and right now, it's kicking with the left foot. Get better now. I don't think uh, Braden Smith's worried about kicking with the left foot. Um, my pal, Alfred Dowd, says... Rye with a rye. Yep. Uh, thank you, Dad. So um, this is not one you bought me, though. My, my dad has this great surprise he does for me every now and again. He'll just bring me by a bottle of something that a liquor store has suggested, and then I'll put it in the cabinet. And generally, you know, we'll both have a little sample. He's not, I don't think he's a huge uh, bourbon fan or rye fan, uh, but um, I know he'll, he likes sampling with me, and I think he's a He's more of a brew man, so absolutely. There's no, I don't need to think that. But anyway, need of being verse says, thanks, Shane. You too, brother. Boiler up. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah, it's probably a response to that. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, B. Murphy says, that is my name, but a different Brendan Murphy. Okay, that's Brendan Murphy. That You're Brendan Murphy. I do appreciate you being here. But Brendan Murphy is an old 
Um, he's a guy that was in broadcasting. I believe he was on WLFI at one point in West Lafayette, I believe. But we used to um, hang out, interact, whatever you want to call it, uh, years ago. If you don't know this, Boiled Sports has been around. A little history since we've got a slower night. Boiled Sports has been around for 17 plus years. Okay, and um, so we've had you know lots of uh, local sports. I don't want to say celebrities, but personalities come through, and we've we've interacted with them at different times. We've tried to stay independent. That's one of the things we'd like to do: not get involved in a network, grow it organically. So people like you guys who are tuning in with us and just enjoying the, you know, camaraderie, post-game camaraderie, we always love that. But Brendan Murphy was a guy who was on, I think he was, I'm almost positive. He was either on the radio or television. I, I think he was on TV. And he was a great guy, great guy. We would, um, uh, we would interact at, you know, promo events and stuff like that. And so uh, I do appreciate you, you clarifying, so, and I appreciate being here. Um, Boiled Sports is my jam, says Brennan. Uh, now I love this podcast. Thank you for being here, and I appreciate that. I got to tell you guys something. So my day, I've told you that YouTube's important for me. I have a job that on many days I'm able to um, have a podcast, a video podcast. And you guys got so many choices. What a golden era for Purdue uh, information. And uh, if you want to call us, I get, we're not journalists. We're just guys who, like you, uh, girls like, we're not girls like you. We're like you guys and girls who just love Purdue and we like talking about it and relating here at the live podcast and in the questions and on Twitter. It's awesome. But what a great time to be alive. What a great time to be a Purdue fan because you can turn on so many people, so many different styles out there. Um, I mean, I, I just, I love the fact there's all these great podcasts out there and um, hopefully I'll get to meet some of these um, guys and some girls that are doing it right now. Um, and we've met many of them, but there's, there's a lot of good options and I do appreciate you guys making us part of your post game ritual. So, uh, I also have something to say and I can, if I don't see uh, Jay money's not here in the, in the margins, he was, we talked about doing a modified handsome hour tonight after the game. I gave him a little bit of a hard time. I'm going to be, I, I don't like, if you guys know me, I do not like talking behind people's back ever and all this to dress it straight up. And so um, my whole thing is after Purdue beat Arizona, I was like, dag nab, if we're going to do this, if we're going to get together and do a handsome hour, you should do it after they beat number one team. It's the first time in 22 year, 23 years they had beaten the number one team. It, they had the nation's attention on that one. And I just thought, you know, we'll get together on this. I know many of you want to see a handsome hour. For some reason, you want to hear Jay and Anish talk to. You don't just want to listen to me. And I get it. One voice can get old. But we talked about having one tonight, and he had some things come in front of him. This is the thing. Like, these guys, I don't ever want to, um, you know, they, they got a ton of stuff going. So, and Jay's reason for not coming tonight was a good one. He's He coaches his son, and they had a practice come up, and so he was assistant coaching basketball tonight for, for I think, his little money is what he calls his son. And it's a good reason. It's, it's, that's a great reason. So my kids are just a – well, that's not true. My son's older. My daughter's within a month of his son. So um, they actually were, I think they had the, either a day apart according to the planning. And then I think both of them just kind of, things got scrambled when they were actually born. Let's see. Anita Beanverse says, uh, best Purdue post game. Thank you. It means, I really can't tell you how much I, I love hearing. I mean, it means a lot to me. Um, win or lose, I like the balance between venting and staying uh, objective. Makes sense. Yeah, I, you guys can see uh, emotion can get the best of me sometimes. My dad knows better than anybody here. I don't know if he's still with me or if he, if he checked out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a guy who my emotions are on my sleeve generally. And um, so this has been a good exercise over the last 17 years, the way we've changed the site in just dealing with when I'm angry, when I'm super happy, um, why do I take this seriously? <laughs> All these things. So I do appreciate it. Um, but I try to be thoughtful, at least. Um, and like last year, the FDU game, post game, that was a super hard one. But I was like, I gotta get out here because you guys are feeling it too. You feel crushed by this. And you. And if you were an old sports fan, you knew what was coming. The fallout was going to be bad. The things you were going to be dealing with were going to be bad. Um, and uh, sure enough, they have been. 
But uh, here's a question for you. I thought about this tonight because a lot of people have talked about it. It's obvious. The only time a one has lost to a 16 NCAA tournament was Virginia. They came back. They won the national title. Went through Purdue to do it down in Louisville. I was in that game. We all know that history. Okay. But they seem to make a deal because everybody said, I'll take that deal. And I obviously would take that deal. I'll take a Final Four. I said that before. A Final Four will be enough to get that taste out of my mouth. I just want to see that and see what, let the chips fall where they may at that point. If you saw this, CBS Media on Twitter, they had three of their um, on-air, Rob Doster and company, picked who their Final Four was. And they had a rules, I think, only one. They could only have one team out, or they had to have one team outside of the top, top 25 make their Final Four made it interesting all three of them picked purdue as the national champ and i'm like it's cool and purdue's playing like the best team in america there's no doubt they've earned it but let me ask you a question if purdue does what virginia does or did and let's i'm not let's say let's just cut off at final four let's make that deal or that question a comment thing for you guys in the comments below after this is on you know it's on tape is if Purdue goes to the Final Four this year, number one, is that enough to get that taste out of your mouth? For me, it is. I'll be real honest. A Final Four is enough. The second question is, if they become like Virginia in either Final Four or National Champ, and they kind of fall off as a program and they aren't as good anymore, for many reasons. By the way, Virginia's not dead. They're just not good right now. They'll probably come back. they got a great coach, one of the best coaches in college basketball. Would you be okay with Purdue kind of falling off the – the, the proverbial cliff. You can answer that question yourself in the comments here or in, in the post game, but something to think about. Um, for me, like I've always said, January's and February's in Indiana are soul crushers for me. It's so dark. It's so cold. Um, I didn't figure out how much I disdained January and February in Indiana until I was 40. I don't know why. And I've lived in Massachusetts and it's worse there. The weather's worse. It's darker, so on. But college basketball and Purdue being really good in January, February is always fun. It's salve to the wound, makes those months go quicker. I'm already looking towards spring. My son's birthday is in February towards the end. That's a big deal for me. I'm like, okay, we're almost there, right? But just a question. If Purdue just sucked after, they're not going to, by the way. If they, if they go to the Final Four this year or if they have a great run in the tournament, regardless of what that great one is defined by you, okay? Not by me, let's say the great run. If they go, they're going to be really, really good next year. But the really interesting thing is you're going to have a cost to this. If you think back, I think the, the best comparison I can think of is Michigan under Beeline. They had a couple guys that went pro early because they could. During one of those magical runs, you have a guy or two get hot that everybody's like, okay, they got my attention. They have a physical, you know, they're, let's say, 6'6". Six, six. And I can think of a couple guys on this roster that are 6'6". Six, six, and maybe one of those guys, say Colvin, gets hot and he hits a couple big threes. That's got the attention of the NBA scouts all of a sudden. And you're like, okay, can this guy go in the top two rounds? He might be able to. If you make a significant run, you're on the big stage. So the cost of that national title might be guys running to the uh, the, the portal, um, trying to go get a sweeter deal, panhandling, I don't want to say panhandling, but seeking a bigger deal for the NIL or whatever, or maybe guys just outright leaving, going pro. Even in that case, Purdue's class coming in, these six guys that are coming in are going to be awesome. And they are there are pro-type guys in that, um, of course, catchings and Harris specifically, are pro-type guys right out of the box. They are really good players, really physically gifted, long, um, athletic dudes that can score. So Purdue will be good next year. And sorry, IU fan who's listening, Purdue's going to be good next year. But they won't be like this. They won't be coming in number one. They would be, they would be top 10. Again, you watch. If they, if they make noise in the tournament, they will be top 10 next year. That's the crazy thing. That's the thing that's so awesome about what Painter has done as he's hit his stride as a coach and as a recruiter. They just, they are reloading. They are absolutely reloading. Sean Stevens says, been a fan for a few years. As long as you're taking, uh, you're talking, I'm listening. Appreciate it, Sean. Great insight. Shane Hinkle, uh, for me, Final Four bust. Okay, good. Final Four, good. Um, I, I, I don't know how we as Purdue fans can be greedy for a national title when we got to get over that first hump. Like I said the other night, it's like, the Yankees and the Red Sox. The Red Sox had to get through the Yankees to get there, right? Uh, the Pacers had to get through the Bulls, right? I think of some stupid analogy. But Virginia had to get there too, right? Um, we can think of a ton of these. Um, but sports are funny, right? When the, when the straw breaks, generally 
that was all that held back the dam and then big things happened. I always think about a world, what would a world where Purdue basketball is a reigning national champ look like to you and I? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I wear too much Purdue gear as it is, <laughs> and uh, our Boilers haven't won anything big and national uh, ever. And I live in Purdue gear, so or AJ sweatshirts. Um, so let's see. Dave Budnick says they need to stay good until 26, so Mexican fans like me uh, can go see it live. Mexican fans, what? Okay. You got to explain to me. I don't understand that, but they're going to be good through 26. The whole thing that I am worried about, you've heard me talk a little bit, if you come here often, is the changes to the NCAA that are coming. They are imminent. They are sizable. The pay, the paid athlete division of the NCAA will shake everything up. I think every team in a Power Five is going to try to to stand and be in that paid division. You know, we've called it the uh, Super Conference is probably coming. But before that, the NCAA is trying to stop that Super Conference because the Super Conference would really make the NCAA null and void if you really look at what would happen with the rule structure. Um, but it feels like the NCAA with their idea of that trust that they will pay the players through the trust. So there'll be like a money laundering thing, a holder of money. Uh, uh, so TV dollars will be funneled to the NCAA, then they'll be funneled back to players probably to regulate the amount of pay these guys are getting. And then on top of that, the next step is the NIL will be controlled by the universities. So that's when those big TV contracts, which the Big Ten's TV contract is the biggest on the books right now. The SEC's is right after it. Every team in the Big Ten is going to make between 70 and $90 million within a couple of years, except for the teams that are late ads, UCLA, USC. And if you're paying attention today, you saw that Florida State – has gotten one step closer to leaving the uh, ACC. And on top of that, six other schools met with Florida State behind closed doors and started talking about the, the things they need to do to legally leave without having to pay a fee. If they all leave at once, um, I think they can leave and not pay a fee. If they leave ones and twos, like Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, whatever, the conference they go to will probably give them a loan so they won't pay them the full TV payout and in that time, we'll pay for the buyout of the other conference, if that makes any sense. So that's what's going to happen. All these things line up to that, go towards that uh, next weird chapter of college sports. So anyway, um, let's see. Melissa Hunt. Thank you for checking in, Melissa. Great to see you. Um, Melissa, by the way, if you guys don't know this, uh, she gets mentioned by Ray Davis as one of the super fans, super Purdue fans. That's pretty awesome. Uh, just to have uh, one of the Purdue basketball legends uh, know you by name. It's cool because I think they were both students at the same time. It's very cool. Um, she says, the problem is I don't see us uh, falling off with what we've got coming in. I'm with you. Completely with you. But sure, I'd take it. Uh, I was a student when we were last in the when we were last in the Big Ten. If we get the Final Four, I'll go back to that. And I talk about this time often, Melissa. You know, fans like you, um, you, you saw some dark days. My brother-in-law graduated from Purdue um, with Teague and, um, uh, shoot, come on, Landry. And that was a surprise team. But then the team that you were there with, you know, with uh, Hammonds when he was young, Ray Davis, um, they, yeah, that team brought them back out of the, the, the cellar. And then they had the heartbreaking loss against Cincinnati when they were an eight or nine, not eight seed NCAA tournament. And then they lost to Arkansas Little Rock. And then that team kind of brought Purdue back to where it needed to be in all ways, right? They, Ray Davis, I think, was the – he was the thing that made that. He was the player that made it happen because he ch helped change culture, right? Uh, it's um, his hard-nosed attitude, his ability to become a defender when – if you don't know anything about him, he was a scorer in high school. Incredible, incredible. So need to be in verse says be, I'd be okay with it for a few seasons. Uh, but I think it's unlikely with our incoming class and folks hanging around. Good question, though. Yeah, so, yeah, th something to think about. A friend of mine calls it the question. And his question is, if Purdue – so I'm sure he's not listening, but a friend of mine says, if Purdue were to win a national title, would you be okay with the program fit being last in the Big Ten or not existing in college sports other than in name only for 10 years? 10 I'm not okay with that, by the way. And this is where we start arguing. He and I argue. It's a dumb question because that's not how this works. Because generally, you win a national title. Now you are up on the other upper echelon. 
By the way, the media, we've been talking about this for two years. The media loves Matt Painter. They want him to walk through that door. They want it so badly. Rob Doster talked about he's the best coach in America or one of them, and Painter needs to go get that Final Four, go get that national championship because he's, he's rooting for it to happen to him to get that taste out of his mouth, Paint. And if he does that, can you imagine a Matt Painter who in the tournament loses the one problem he's got, which is nervousness. He's always had nerves in the, in the tournament. He understands it's do or die, one game. And it all comes down to one game. But if Matt Painter can lose that because he tastes the national title, what happens? Are we, then are we in the, a real weird world where Purdue all of a sudden is a national juggernaut? How about that scenario? How about that scenario? Something to think about. I'm way, the cart is way in front of the horse right now, but if we're spitballing, let's go for it. Um, David Budnick says 26 uh, Final Fours in San Antonio. Okay, thank you. Thank you for the explanation. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, that's that. That'd be that'd be a lot of fun. And I think twenty six. If I were you, I'd just kind of circle that date. They're gonna be they're gonna be in San Antonio. How about that? Uh, B Murph says, does TKR become uh, our guy down low um, next season? Yeah, that's he's the guy. And a lot of Purdue fans have prognosticated that TKR is transferring out. I don't know where they get their ideas. TKR is a very interesting, different cat. He's a very thoughtful dude. Um, I mean, sure, anybody can transfer at any time, but let's not forget, that was a high four-star recruit that came to Purdue and said, yeah, sure, I'll redshirt. And he had a little bit of injury that he was dealing with coming off of, but he decided to redshirt. That is not normal behavior. He didn't say, I'm going to get mine. He said, I need to get better this year, and I need to get healthy. TKR is a special guy. TKR, when he is the man inside, is going to be awesome. We expected the breakout year this year. Some did. I don't know why you do that when the returning national player of the year is on your team, but some people did. So, but that's not going to happen this year. It's not a breakout year this year. So, um, Dave Budnick says, sorry, 25. Okay, 25, I don't think so, but for the record. I think, let's see, if you have catchings would be a, I think catchings, and I haven't told anybody publicly, I think catchings is the biggest signing to produce basketball program in my life, other than Glenn Robinson. So there's my, and I, and I don't know if I've said that publicly here. I've said it to the boiled sports guys. And the reason I say that is because he's a true modern pro style NBA player now. He's close to seven feet tall. He's got very long arms. He can shoot. He's got, everybody's wondering, where's the alpha? Obviously, we know who the alpha is this year. We, we, you can probably see whose team it is next year. I think it's, it's Smith and lawyers, probably Smith's. After that, though, right? Who's the next guy? Catchings, I think, in his second year on campus, if he stays that long, is absolutely an alpha dog, Carson Edwards type of guy with a chip on his shoulder who's six foot eleven, rangy, and can play every position on the court. Okay, that's special. That's special. That's big. And I don't think I'm over-speaking. If you guys follow high school basketball, I don't talk about recruiting. I talk about guys once they're signed. Cannon Catchings is special. He is flat out special. Um, Nita Burst says, Nita Bean Burst says, a hard pass on the 10 year scenario. I get that. Uh, Melissa Hunt reminds us the Johnsons really just had, to, had too much sauce. Yeah, they did. Too much sauce for Purdue. Way too much sauce. And if you know, and you don't, you know, Melissa, the stuff that was happening behind the scenes or not that far off the scenes, just off the court, that final season where the Johnsons were there, that was a mess. That was a mess. And we had kind of a mess followed by a mess. I'm not, I, Paint, clean stuff up, which is awesome. Alfred Dowd says, I'll take the Final Four. Yeah, Final Four, not a championship. I'm with my dad on this one. Sean Stevens says, says, how long do you think it'll be before college players start using arbitration? So, Sean, this is a good question. This is a much bigger question, though, because all the stuff that's in place, that's been in place in college sports, needs to be dismantled with this paid subdivision coming right? You, I said this the other night, you have to have contracts. You have to have tamper rules that have real teeth to them. You have to have an NCA that actually does its job, which it won't happen. That's why the NCA might get moved out of the way just because they, they, this is big boy business now. This isn't like school saying, okay, take me in. This is big business. When I say big business, I mean that in every possible way. Lots of money being exchanged, gambling stuff on the line, all the stuff that I am just not a fan of the scenario it's not because I don't want guys to make money. That's not it. Oh, great. If these guys can make money, I do not disparage the player. I disparage the structure and the what's on the other side of this tall wooden fence. What's coming next? And I've always liked college basketball and I've always liked college football and I hate some of the possibility that might be around the corner. Could it be great? It could be good. 
I think what we have now is great. So that's me. That's me showing my bias. So, yeah, that, uh, all this stuff is going to change, though. So I don't know if I answered your question. I just told you that I think a lot of things have to change with contract structures, with everything. Everything changes. Um, Patrick Gottschall says, I like the national uh, juggernaut scenario. Paint didn't look nervous in 2019, by the way. Um, you know what Paint did in 2019? Paint did two things. I thought the biggest moment of his coaching career was when Purdue was playing Tennessee and Nogel Eastern came over by Purdue's bench. I was in the Yum Center and Purdue was panicking, I think, because Tennessee had just taken the lead and Eastern comes over. He's pounding the ball right by Purdue's bench and Paint just goes like this. Wait, we don't need a timeout. He pretty much was saying, it's going to be okay. You guys can do this. And he stepped back. He didn't, he didn't get, he thought, I've got a team out here that knows what they're doing. And I've got guys out there that can make plays. So it wasn't just no Joel Eastern, as we know, because we were, in, we're from the future too. It was Carson Edwards, Edwards, Ryan Klein, special bunch, right? But Carson Edwards' ability to say to Coach Painter earlier in the season in different games saying, don't pull me. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and we're going we're gonna to ride with me here, right? And Painter saying, I'll give this a try. That was a big deal, right? Because really, if you remember back, Boogie as a freshman and even as a sophomore, a lot of Purdue fans kept saying, oh, he's going to transfer. He's, he's angry. I talked to Boogie in the concourse of Mackey Arena with my young son at that point. Uh, it was freezing cold. He was missing Texas, Boogie was. Uh, he was just coming off a game that he got benched at the end of the game. Painter benched him a lot freshman year because he would shoot like Boogie Edwards shoots, which is all the time without conscience. Every every shot is good. You're a freshman. You really haven't earned that. And Painter hadn't given him the ability and the rope to do that. But Edwards took it. And Painter said, you know what? You've earned this now. And he let it ride with Edwards. And look what happened. Edwards threw everybody on his back and threw up historical numbers. The sad thing, the thing for a Purdue fan like me said, wow, you had a guy do something that Steph Curry couldn't do in the NCAA tournament, and Purdue couldn't get to the Final Four. That's the toughest medicine to take, right? That's the toughest to think about. Uh, let's see. Need of Universe says, Dowd, I've thought about the exact same scenario with Painter. I love the idea of Purdue becoming a blue blood. Dare to dream? Yeah, you, uh, you can dream. You can dream, but it's really hard if you're like me and you're generally... I used to be a true optimist, just my dad would tell you, a true optimist when I was younger. And I think as I got older, the world kind of changes you and you become a realist. I don't think I'm a pessimist by any means. I have a pessimist in my family. Maybe he's listening right now. But um, I, I've become a realist. I think any of my family would say I'm a realist. And that comes from like living through things. The whole thing I always look for is I look for history. What's a program that's like Purdue that is looking to do what Purdue is about to do, which is kind of take their seat among the elite, and they haven't done it yet, but they still have this program history they were really good and solid. So I've thought about that. Obviously, Villanova under Jay Wright is a good comparison because Jay Wright waited a while before his career kicked into high gear, and they got two national titles. The difference is Villanova, for me, the difference is Villanova had won a national title, a weird one, a long, you know, they were an eight seed when they beat Georgetown in the 80s. So it's a little different. Purdue doesn't have that, you know, even if it, that was, what, 17, 19, no, probably more than that, years. It's still a generation ago they had had a national title. Purdue, the, the true, so you say 1980, they went to the Final Four. It's a long damn time ago, right? You can say that Purdue has a very rich, consistent history of being one of the greatest teams, regular season teams in college basketball with nothing to show for it in the postseason. So becoming a postseason monster, especially with the same coach, that's crazy, right? To bring in a coach, because Jay Wright came in and he started figuring things out relatively quickly that you could tell he was an elite coach, right? Um, uh, an interesting, it's not the same thing because Roy Williams couldn't get over the hump at Kansas. But Roy Williams would get to Final Fours and lose. I've thought about these things. I did a study on this a year ago. It's posted someplace on Boiled Sports. If you want a challenge, go find it. But I just talked about parallels. And, um, and this is actually when I used to write on the site. But interesting stuff to think about. Uh, let's see. Al Dowd says, Purdue is a juggernaut. Now boiler up. Okay, so this is the, what's a juggernaut. Purdue's been good for a long time. Getting to number one was a big deal. Getting over that hump was a big deal. We've done that now. 
Jay said this last year. It's one of the best things that guy said. And that is, with number one, I've said to you guys before, expectations raise. That's not a bad thing. When expectations raise, that means you expect things to get better. Not to be good, not to be solid, not sweet 16. Better. Elite. And the next stage is elite. That's it. That's all that's left in the can for Purdue. That's the next step. So they either do that or they continue with this, and this is fine. This isn't bad. Obviously, this is pretty great to be entertained, but then say, oh, it's March. We're going to pack our bags and head back home. There's no reason to say that the season should end <laughs> before the round of eight for Purdue. No reason. They're too good. Sean Stevens says, uh, Painter, uh, recruiting character, uh, first love. Yeah, it, first I love it. Yeah, Painter does recruit character. He recruits guys that are good fits. He doesn't recruit guys that are just shiny objects. Um, he's figured it out. He said it before. Winning has to be enough with these guys, with these recruits. That's a big point because um, – what he's saying is guys stay on the roster that could go someplace else and start. And we see multiple examples of that on this year's team. But, but that also comes back to a bunch of guys getting along off the court. If you see Purdue and um, uh, Adam and Jake and AJ's tell us, the, these Purdue players, they really get along. They come in in the offseason and are hanging out and eating together. And that's a big deal. That team building, that's legit. There, there aren't many clicks on this team. Uh there's so many good things in the program, and you just kind of hope, gosh, can, that should lead to good things. When you have all this talent, I noticed this difference couple this season and the end of last year, but this season versus Tennessee, one of the biggest switches for me, and I'm really talking long, but this is like a handsome hour. <coughs> the big difference, Tennessee had to play an ugly physical brand of basketball because they couldn't match up with Purdue's talent. They couldn't match up with Purdue's system. Purdue had too many horses on offense. Now, tell me the last time you can remember that happening. And I'll, I'll wait, but it's never. It hasn't happened. Purdue's had ones and twos that have been really special and great players. But to have three or four guys on the starting lineup that can take their guy one-on-one, -on -one, that is a very big difference. And by the way, that's the scenario you need to get used to. Because that's what Purdue will have with this incoming class. And it may not be right away with those six, but three of those guys, and I'm not going to tell you which three. I said Jakari Harris and Cannon Catchings are really, really special offensively, in my opinion. But Harris is also a special defender. And then there's some other guys that are roles. But there's one other guy on that class that I'm quietly excited about. Um, but get ready. This is, this is now just a reloading. Just a reloading. Um, Patrick Gottschall says, it's exactly the 2019 term, tournament moment, Painter, calming people down that I remember. Yeah, I thought that was a huge deal. And literally, my son and I had, we were so high up. Yum Center is such a big arena. We were way up, and we could see it. He was, we were on that side. And I said, did you see that to my son? He just told him, it's okay, we're not calling the timeout. And then watching on tape, I was like, wow, that was huge. That's a big deal for Painter. It's a step forward. One of the big... Uh, moves forward Painter had years ago, and I've talked about this. If you've heard this, I apologize. But he hired an, a sports analytics, a data analyst um, for the program who would be behind the bench. He just hired a different one, a different group in the offseason. But the reason he did that is he is a very cerebral guy, and I think what his whole idea was, I'm going to let data make the decision for me when I can't. And so he's got guys on his bench. I think Sash is one of these guys who's like an analyst, who is chewing up this data that's being fed to him and saying, okay, how does this work in this scenario? What's happening right now? And so that's when one thing that Painter has done to try to avoid, you know, he has, when he gets nervous, hands are sweating. He used to always have a towel on his hands because he was sweating. He always had chapstick because he was licking his lips too much. I picked up on these. And you've seen that gif that I, that I put on Twitter often. I put it on the, um, the conversation with Derek Schultz. I hid that in there. Not very hiding. But I talked about AJ's. But those, those nervous tendencies that Painter has, he smartly tried to say, I'm going to try to get around myself and I beat myself. The next scenario, this is what I said the whole time, he needs to have a coach on the bench who he trusts enough that he can give the controls to him when he's feeling that way, who can calm the team down in a timeout during a final eight game and just say, guys, you're effing good. You belong here. Let's go execute what we're capable of doing. Not say, I'm as nervous as you. Oh, crap. I just wet myself. I don't, he doesn't do that. But 
that's that's what he needs. He needs a guy he can trust. But obviously, he is one of the best program builders in in-game coaches during the regular season, full stop. But he needs that one other guy on the bench. And he had he was close to having it with Shrewsbury. That's another thing. Shrewsbury, I believe, yeah, Shrewsbury's on the bench um, in that Tennessee game too. And Shrewsbury was a witch offensively. You don't think he's a smart basketball mind. Look at what his career has done. Look where he came from. Some of the out-of-bounds plays were just brilliant. Also, guys made plays, but that's 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 a big part of it. PJ's becoming that, right? Um, I don't know if he's there. He's obviously not to where Shrewsbury was, but he's got head coach written all over him. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Dang2234 says, it's Jack Venter. Right, you are correct. It is Jack Venter. And the reason it's Venter, if you watched his highlights, is because of his length and his ability to finish. And so it's not just that, okay? I'll be honest. I like the guys who have this length and ability. But more than that, I like the guys that have a chip on their shoulder. Both Benter and Catchings at different times play like guys that are my height. Meaning they're like, they take everything as a disrespect and an affront to them. And they want to embarrass that guy on the other side who tried to prove them that they're, they're not a good player. Uh, I love that. I, I love that. That piss and vinegar attitude, the guy who's going to chew on glass, but on top of that already has talent. Holy moly. That's a combination that is just impossible to find. Impossible. And I think Painter's found, he's probably found four. Well, one of them is not the most talented guy, but he's got these guys with a chip on their shoulder and they're talented and they're popped out of the NBA mold. And then he's got a couple guys that are Painter type guys, a quiet seven footer. Uh, we've seen this before. You watch him develop. Uh, man, the class so, so well designed. Jack Leonard, 22, says, I wonder if he's asked Zoe if he would be that guy on the bench. <laughs> Jay reads my mind. That's that's Jay Money right there, in case you didn't know, because I've hinted at that a couple times. But that's, Conzo Martin is sitting on a chair of cash right now, this evening. Maybe he's hopefully, hopefully sipping something like I am, enjoying his night. Got to see Chase play. Maybe he went to the game. I don't know. Conzo Martin on the bench? Holy crap. Would that be the perfect fit? Give me a year or two with Conzo. Paint loves Conzo. They get along really well. And Conzo's a guy that, man, he is he is smooth. He is cool. He knows his stuff. He's been through different fires. Jay knocks it out of the park. That's my dude. Jay and and Conzo. Um, so uh, I'm not going to read that, Jay. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Pat Goschel says, I was so sad to see Shrew leave our program. Glad for his personal success. But just a couple more years on our bench would have been huge. It would have been huge for us. It would have, uh, I mean, I know, like I think I've told you guys, uh, I know him. I know his wife uh, from high school. And I'm so glad they've had this opportunity. I mean, like, what a blessing. What a blessing. What a great career path. He's earned every bit of it, but man, what a great career path. The opportunity to go out to Penn State, not have to spend forever there, then come back home. They're both from Indiana. What an awesome, awesome opportunity. But now if you watch them, Jay brought this up the other day off the camera, go find the interview or the um, uh, postseason or post game comments from Shrewsbury after Notre Dame um, just got beaten up. They get beaten by Chaminade or somebody at home. Uh, Shrews was pissed, and he was talking about saying, I'll get you guys out of here. He said, I'll talk to my compliance people. We'll, we'll find a house for you. We'll find a place for you to go if you're not going to show effort. But Shrewsbury is dealing with the crap. I would say I wouldn't give Shrewsbury two years before that team's awesome, though, because he's going to be able to recruit. You know he is, and he is a great X's and O's guy, and he's got, he's got boilermakers all around him, too. That's not a bad thing. There's some, there's some good cloth those guys are cut from. So, yeah, let's go get Zoe. I'm with you. Pat Gottschall, let's go get Zoe. So that's it. That's it. So that was kind of a quasi-handsome hour. By the way, postgame slash handsome hour, that was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody commenting. Thanks to everybody who's here live. I mean, for a, for a, a game that's, uh, I don't want to say unimportant, but but uneventful um, for Purdue to just handle their business 100-57 to 57, to improve to 11-1 and one on the season and their number one to come in and handle their business. By the way, we've been through this where they're number one and they don't handle their business. Obviously, it wasn't versus a team in the 200s. Well, not during the regular season. We, we saved that for March. So, uh, but uh, that's an awesome thing. That's a consequential thing to handle their business the way they did. I know we think it's not a big deal, but it's a step forward for the program. LBD, what you Did they cover? Huh? Did they cover? Oh, they covered. All right. <laughs> yeah. People have been giving me a hard time about, I understand 32 and a half points, what a spread means. So, LBD just asked if they covered. <coughs> yeah, they covered. 
So, um, let's see. Adam W., my man, boiler up. Happy holidays to you, sir. And thank you for being a boiled sports friend and partner, Adam. My man. That's it for me. So Merry Christmas to you and yours. I don't think I'll post before Christmas unless something really inspires me. I hope it is a wonderful, blessed time with you and your family at Christmas. So I wish for you just a great time. Enjoy your blessings, whether it being something as simple and silly as being a Purdue fan, being a fan of the number one team in America, or something as wonderful, fantastic, and above and beyond, something a little taste of the of what our Savior has planned for us, the, the time with family. God bless you. Hammer down. Merry Christmas. Purdue's 11 and 1. Talk to you soon.